Hi, I'm Alexis Lawrence, president of the TMT Club, and today I'm joined by my co-host. Hi, I'm Tiffany Ye, TMT Events Director. Welcome to the TMT Podcast. Today we are joined by Edward Chow, Managing Partner of Mesh Ventures. In this episode, we are going to have a chat about Mesh Ventures and Ed's career in venture capital. Ed, thank you so much for joining us. We're so happy to have you. Of course, thank you. So can we get started by just talking about your career, how you got started and how Mesh Ventures started? Uh, sure, yeah. So this kind of dates back to um, when I just finished grad school. I had started a company called Kamiya. Um, so I was in the U.S. and uh, as I was finishing up grad school, uh, I was doing two things. I was working at uh, a design and engineering consultancy where we helped uh, mostly Fortune 500 companies develop their next generation products from concept to uh, prototype and it will help them take that to market. At the same time, I was also doing academic research and uh, it became a fascination of mine to figure out how do I bridge uh, technology or concepts that are developed in academia and bring that to market because right? that's actually a, um, a very difficult thing to do and that's also why you know a lot of technology, a lot of patents, uh, while they can be very innovative, they might remain dormant for a very long time because um, the academic environment isn't always the best place uh, for a business uh, to evolve. Um, at least it wasn't the case you know, 15 something years ago. Um, there, I think there are a lot more resources uh, today. And, and so uh, I formed a, a consultancy myself um, that basically had in-house designers, in-house engineers, uh, and business consultants. And we would identify technologies that we thought were promising. Uh, we would work with academic institutions and basically help them commercialize these products. Um, and so the more we did that, the more it made sense to start taking equity stake in some of the projects that we were working on. Um, and that eventually evolved into us being a more active investor while also deploying these resources. So the whole idea of being involved as an investor, um, not only from the financial end, but also to bring uh, subject matter expertise and to help um, the investment succeed uh, started all the way back then. And so as we did that and we scaled, we had some pretty pretty good uh, success, uh, some good case studies coming out of that and decided in 2015, uh, I partnered with uh, a guy named Sam uh, and we kicked off Mesh Ventures and we basically took this model uh, and we formalized it into a venture capital fund. And we started to do um, uh, to, to raise a fund uh, around that. And today, you know, we have three what we call main funds, a bit bigger pockets of funds, and then uh, we have a lot of uh, uh, little funds next to them as well. Um, and so we've been doing that um, for a little while. And um, the, the ethos of being hands-on as investors has always stayed with us. Even though today we don't have uh, in-house designers and engineers anymore, but rather what we do now is we leverage a lot of the resources that our ecosystem has. And so being that our headquarters is in Taiwan, it means we have uh, you know, the, the, some of the top tech companies in the world there, primarily in the semiconductor and electronics industry. And so we don't need to have that talent in-house anymore. We can just go to them and say, hey, we're working on this project. Uh, we want to deploy this team from, from your side there, and you know here are the mutual benefits, and we'll set up um, uh, a project like that. 
That sounds amazing. Yeah. I'm very interested in that, like, it sounds so easy when you talk about it, but it must have been really difficult to kind of build a team <laughs> right after grad school and then eventually mm -hmm. finding partners to be, to join you at Mesh. And I know I've met mm -hmm. Bob, who, who's also a partner at Mesh. And I, I saw mm -hmm. that he's also from Georgia Tech and he studies right. business. And I was just wondering mm -hmm. when you were building a team, was it the specific um, expertise they, they had that complemented yours that you were looking for? How did you go about mm -hmm. building such like successful team for Mesh? Yeah, uh, well, I think it's a pretty collaborative effort between uh, myself and, and Sam as we were constructing the team. Bob was, uh, was working with me at Kamiya prior to setting up uh, Mesh as a business consultant. Um, I had, had not met Bob when I was in business school. Um, so I, had, I met Bob when I went back to Taiwan. And so it just so happened that we were in school at around the same time. So that was just a coincidence. Um, but yeah, with, with Bob, it was, it was because, um, you know, specifically on, on the management consulting side, he had a background in operational improvement. So he's a, a Six Sigma black belt and we thought, would be an interesting skill set to deploy into the companies that we invest in to help them uh, operate more efficiently. Um, and so that became uh, his focal point. Eventually, that also evolved uh, alongside the company to be more uh, investment focused. Um, but I, mean, I think when I think about the team, and it's an interesting time for you to ask that question because you know we've been scaling our team uh, throughout uh, the last uh, couple years, mm -hmm. uh, and so you know, we we started you know as as a team of four uh, at Mesh, and uh, I think today we are at, at ten. Um, and while it doesn't sound very big, most venture funds don't have that many people. Mm -hmm. um, so venture funds are typically pretty lean operations. Ten is actually already a pretty decent size. Um, but in in recent years, uh, you know, we've we've added uh, more uh, team members, especially uh, here in the U.S. where where, where I'm based, um, and that's you know, due to the types of deals that, that we're sourcing. Um, and so, for example. Um, why it made sense for Sam and I to join forces, you know, not only the fact that you know, we knew we would work well with each other on a, on a personal basis, uh, but you know, most of my experience is in is in engineering and product development. Um, I have a pretty good network in the electronic space. I have a pretty good network in the U.S. Whereas for Sam, um, he has uh, an economics background. Um, he is very well connected in the Taiwanese supply chain, and so. Um, you know, the when we join these, these these efforts together, what it basically means is I can source um, some of the most interesting technology companies out of the U.S. and then through his network, we can pair that uh, with his resources in Taiwan. Um, and so uh, this allows us to have an edge, right? When we're um, talking to companies in the U.S., because venture capital is competitive, right? It, you know. Today, it's not just having money and being able to give somebody money. Uh, you have to convince people to take your money, right? And so, especially if the company is is doing very well, that they can be very picky, right? And so, you have to bring something to, something to the table. And uh, our fund um, has always been able to say, hey, point at any technology company in Taiwan, and they're an arm's length away from us, right? It's most likely we already know them. If we don't, uh, it's it's a quick uh, intro for us to be able to get to know uh, that particular company, just because 
Seoul, Taiwan is small, but also our, our network has already been, been been quite broad, right? And so, um, you know, pairing together our resources, that became um, a really good inception of the team. And as we grew the team, it meant, okay, well, what else do we need? What type of other expertise? Uh, what other industries and, and network do we need to bring uh, within Mesh? Um, and this is, you know, also one of the reasons we named the company Mesh. Right? It's, uh, wow. it's about strength yeah. in a network, strength in, uh, in collaboration and, and bringing resources together. No, that sounds great. And you mentioned network. And I think the word network comes up a lot in VC, especially, and kind of the importance of having your contacts and kind of being social, being quite a big part of the job. How has your network built and changed over time? Have you learned any techniques mm-hmm. to actively network or, or build and manage your network? Yeah, that's funny. I mean, I think uh, I definitely agree network is, is super valuable uh, to, I think, any career path. Um, I'm I would classify myself as uh, as more of an introvert than an extrovert, uh, but you know when it comes to to networking for a purpose and for for work, that it does get me excited. That's that's a place where I'm willing to step out of my introverted world and go go talk to people. And I think in my in my early 20s, I spent a lot of time going to all different places uh, across different industries. Uh, meeting folks, right? So I went to a lot of conferences, um, uh, conferences around biotechnology, which is also part of my background, um, around material science, uh, around uh, semiconductors, um, uh, design, uh, and so just a, a very broad spectrum. And then uh, I would travel through the U.S., uh, in Europe, in, in different parts of Asia, um, to to build that network. And so. Uh, you know, as I continue to do this throughout my career, it also means um, I have a bunch of seemingly very random contacts <laughs> across many, many different industries. And it always comes to my surprise uh, how often these contacts end up becoming valuable, right? Sometimes I'll, I'll reach out to somebody I, I may have met, you know, five, ten years ago and say, and, and, and say hey, you know, I'm looking at this particular field right now. I remember you were an expert in this field. Uh, I would love to chat and, and, and learn from you. Um, or, you know, there's just a lot of interaction. So, um, you know, I, I think that's essentially at the end of the day when, when you're talking about the, the most valuable thing you can bring to the table uh, as a VC, it, it definitely is your network. And it comes in a lot of different flavors, right? One is, um, of course, if you can help uh, – them acquire new customers or form new partnerships, that's always very important, right? So say we invest in a semiconductor company and we can invest, we can find the right customers for them in the early stages of the company, um, then that's immediately helpful to the company from a revenue perspective, right? Uh, but then as the company grows, they they oftentimes find themselves uh, looking forward for talent, right? And so if you have, um, you know, a, a a big enough network and you can think, okay, well, this company really needs a strong, um, you know, chief revenue officer, or uh, they really need somebody who can manage their field engineer operations. And you happen to know somebody who you can pull in there that becomes super valuable uh, to them. And then um, the other part of this is on the supply chain front for a lot of folks, Um, you know, a lot of companies know how to create the first product um, they don't know how to create the next million products, right? And so if you need to, to bring things to scale, 
then having a network that can facilitate that is, is, is really helpful. And then I think the last one, probably the most pertinent on, the, on a regular basis, is contact for new sources of funding, right? So the lifeblood of startups is, is money. It's just the, the, the reality, right? And so the cadence for startups is you need to constantly go and raise your following rounds. And, you know, I think having people uh, who uh, are, are prolific investors but also have a strategic angle to their fund that can support the business, that becomes really valuable, right? And so say we use Semiconductor as an example again, you know, if we can bring in other partners that have, you know, industry-specific expertise, Let's say it's um, you know Robert Bosch as as uh, as a venture fund or Microsoft and their venture fund, and you can bring them into these companies, uh, and they can provide not only the capital but also bring their network into play. Then you start to build out um, uh, a stronger foundation for the company. For sure, and I think it's interesting that you mentioned that. Um... I think what did you say that it's you find it difficult for people to actually take your money nowadays and i guess kind of these resources become increasingly important how do you decide what to invest in obviously you have a focus on tech but what what are you looking for when you're looking for a company yeah um so i think every fund has their own strategy and mandate and and for us uh we like to look at enabling technologies, particularly in the uh, electronics um, industry. And so this branches out into things like uh, data center, automotive, um, IoT. Uh, and so uh, we look at all the various building blocks that are required uh, to um, push forward that industry. And so it can be an application, uh, you know, like an industrial IoT technology used in a factory, or it can be, you know, a piece of IP that needs to go into silicon um, in order to make the next generation semiconductor products. Um, and so we often spend a lot of time researching where things will go and then try to then backtrack our way to, okay, well, uh, in order for this end goal to happen, this vision to happen, um, this industry needs to solve these particular challenges. And um, we need to go out there and find these, these types of companies. And so not every fund takes that particular approach. Um, mm-hmm. there, there are some funds, um, I can give you kind of an example of two polar ends of fund strategies, right? You have some funds that invest in hundreds, if not thousands of companies, right? So you have, you know, there, there are plenty of accelerators and, and, and funds like that, especially in, in, in the UK, there are, there are many. In the US, of course, there are, there are many as well. They have thousands and thousands of companies um, in their portfolio. Uh, each of them, they have kind of a small-ish investment, but they don't manage these investments, right? They don't have, there's no way that people who are operating those funds can manage these investments. But mm-hmm. their strategy is, look, if we have enough bets in, in this pool, you know, eventually some of them will, will generate, um, will become unicorns and they'll, they'll, they'll generate a return for, for, for them. For us, our, each one of our funds invests in eight to 12 companies, right? And so we have a much smaller pool, uh, but then we are a lot more hands-on in facilitating uh, these companies and we'll invest in these companies for, for a much longer time. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, in terms of, uh, of our fund strategy, then, you know, we, 
we've also evolved over time. You know, in the in, in our first fund, we invested in slightly the earlier stage, so we would look at seed to Series A, and that's also kind of the fact of um, how big our um, it's related to how big our fund size is, right? For just getting started, and you get it. We also need to go find investors, right? And so, as a bunch of young guys uh, going out there to say, "Hey, you know, invest in our fund. We'll we'll take care of your money." But that's not always the easy thing to do. Um, but we had a little bit of success. We had a, a really small fund uh, to to start with, and with with a small fund, that also means you can't invest in later stage rounds, right? So. If you have a fund, let's say that is $10 million, and you want to spread that $10 million across, uh, um, let's say, 10 companies, then you have actually less than $1 million because you have to factor in the other fees that the, that the fund needs to take and operations and stuff like that. So you have less than a million to invest in these companies. If you go to a company that is raising, let's say, their Series B, and it's uh, a $50 million round, uh, and you say, hey, I want to invest... Um, you know, 800K into your company, you can probably still do that, but it's a lot harder, right, for them to, to, to uh, you know, want to entertain this, this, this process with you. Um, and so we started doing C to Series A, but what we learned in that process is when we invest in a company that is too early, it takes too long for them to get to a stage of maturity where our, our network can actually be, be, be helpful, right? Um, and so we, we realized that our network is most pertinent when the company already has uh, a product uh, that they've already sold this to a couple sort of marquee customers. When we take that success and then we say, okay, we're going to bring you to Taiwan, we're going to bring you to China, we can take that success and extrapolate it much faster. Um, but if we're saying, okay, we still need to wait for them to develop their first product, we still need to wait for validation with their first customer, that can take years, right? And so in, in, the, in that period of time, we can still be helpful, uh, but it, it, it's not so immediately helpful. I see. Um, it sounds like you invest more than just money, and you, you invest sometimes your experience, you're more hands-on. And I know Mesh has invested in a range of fascinating technologies from self-driving trucks to AI security systems. Could you share some of the projects you've done, maybe one that you're most proud of or one of the most exciting projects you have you have experience with? Yeah. Um, so there was a company uh, last year uh, that went public. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I'd like to reference this company because I think it encompasses um, our whole story from end to end. Um, so this company is called Navitas Semiconductor. And... Um, when you were asking what types of companies do we invest in, um, you know, I, I mentioned, well, we do a lot of research and we figure out where things need to go and what challenges need to be solved for an industry to be successful. Um, and so one of the um, challenges that I, that I uh, kind of landed on that needs to be solved is uh, as our electronics become more and more powerful, they, they need more power. Um, and when we see electronics today, it's not just your mobile phone and your tablet and your PC, uh, but it also means your car. It also means your house, right? And um, when, when you need this kind of power, uh, you typically need to do something that's called an AT, uh, AC to DC conversion, right? So if you, when you plug something into the wall, uh, AC power comes out. When you charge your phone, the phone takes DC power, 
right? So this conversion of AC to DC happens on a regular basis um, in, 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 your, in your household, right? So when you buy a cell phone and it comes with a cell phone charger, that little cell phone charger is doing that work, right? It's converting that AC to DC. Um, but what happens when your phone needs uh, uh, a lot more power? So you have today cell phones that can take up to 200 watts of power. And uh, if you remember the, you know, the earlier iPhones when they would ship those little um, the sugar cube looking chargers, those charge at five watts. So if you were to take that same technology and you were to apply that to a 200 watt phone, you would be carrying a charger around with you that's this big, <laughs> right? And so how do you solve for, for this change in technology? Same for, for EVs when they when you need to charge. You need this technology to translate AC to DC power more efficiently. This happens at the data center too, right? When a data center brings in power from the power grid, that comes in the form of AC. When that's then brought into a server and the server needs to convert that power into something that all the electronic components to use, they need to have a power supply that converts that AC to DC. And so after realizing that, we, we understood that there was a technology uh, called gallium nitride uh, that solves for this problem. It's a new material that uh, has better physical performance properties than silicon. And so I honed in on this particular thesis and I went to look for every single company in, in the industry that worked on gallium nitride. And then I landed on a company called Navitas Semiconductor, where I believe their IP portfolio set themselves up for uh, good long-term success. And so I didn't have a contact to, to this company, right? So I didn't know the CEO. Um, like, well, how do I get to know this company? Well, I, I, I looked at their investor base and I said, oh, okay, well, you know, these are some of the investors. One of these investors I've also never met before, but I know they're holding an event uh, in Bavaria uh, at this particular time. Right, so I, I went to that event, um, met one of the people there, and, and said, hey, I would love to chat, this is what we do, uh, and can you introduce me to this company, Navitas, right? And they said, yeah, okay. And so we had that chat, they made the introduction, and then talking to the CEO, we basically said, okay, we want to lead this round, right? So leading a round as a VC means you go in, um, you provide the terms and conditions for what that round needs to look like, um, you set the valuation, you set how big the ticket size is going to, going to be. Um, and so we did that for, for this company. And during the due diligence process where we evaluate whether or not we, we want to invest in this company, um, we introduced them to a lot of the, the customers in, in Taiwan, right? Companies like Acer or Asus, um, these electronic brands, as well as folks in the data center space, right? people who make servers, make power supplies for servers. And we made these introductions. So. You can, you can tell immediately there was a trust that was built with this company because we came in not only as investors, but we were, even prior to investing, bringing in resources that can actually make an impact on their, on their revenue, right? And so um, we subsequently uh, invested. Uh, I joined their board as an observer and continued to make these introductions. Um, and then the company last year, as you guys may, may know, there was a lot of SPAC activity in the U.S. Um, and so this company uh, was it was in that window uh, where they could they can go public in the U.S. Uh, through a SPAC acquisition. Um, and so uh, last year in October, uh, they, they went public. 
And so that becomes a really good sort of entry and exit. So we invested in this company, and actually only in the, in the span of about two years, uh, the company went went public. And so that uh, means now we can technically sell our shares and and, and make money for our investors. Um, and so uh, I, I like this company as an example because I think it was really premeditated. Right? It was okay. We thought carefully about where the industry is going, what technology needs to be solved, find the right company, even if you don't have the network, build a network, <laughs> find out who, um, um, you know, who, who to meet to meet that company, uh, make the investment, be helpful, um, help them grow, and then you know, have them uh, support them on a successful exit and hopefully make a lot of money. Hopefully. <laughs> and make Ed very happy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Make our investors happy. Like, advice that we can even use that, those top five things as a VC. I think that's such a great overview of the process. In your experience, what are your favorite parts of the job? What do you like most about the VC industry? Or I suppose investing yeah. in, Do you define yourself as a venture capital firm? Because I suppose you mentioned accelerators as well, but it, it is a specific fund. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're um, we're certainly a venture capital firm, and uh, whether you know what what I like about it is I, I realized for myself um, pretty early on um, uh, in, in my career that I like to too many different technologies, too many different industries. Um, you know, like Tiff may know. You know, in, in in Taiwan, I I did other things that are not so technology oriented too. Right. Just I have a lot of interests and. I think the venture capital uh, industry is a great place for this kind of personality because on a daily basis, I'm constantly pivoting between many different types of technology. Right? And so um, some, some days it has to do with, with cybersecurity, some days it has to do with uh, some semiconductor IP, some, some days it has to do with robotics. Um, and so it allows me to, to jump around in, in, in many different fields. And, and so um, doing the research to figure out what's next, uh, I think that's, that's the most, most fun for me. Um, and now building a team of other people who are smarter than I am, uh, who can also you know, orient with that strategy, figure out a thesis, and collaboratively say, yeah, yeah, this is what we need. This is what the industry needs right now. And we need to go find every single freaking company that's doing this. Uh, um, I think that's the, that's the most fun. And then the next part uh, is once we invest and you're, you essentially join them as a team, right? You, you basically get married to this company, whether you like it or not. Uh, you're stuck with them for, for, for a while. Um, working with the founders, working with the board, um, you know, whether it's on a, a guidance perspective um, to sort of point them in the right direction, give them advice, what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing. Um, and, uh, to me, that that's really gratifying because that's a very personal part of, of this process, right? When we talk technology and money, these are all very um, you know, sort of well-defined, structured things. Uh, but when it comes to how do you build a relationship with somebody, uh, have them trust you and listen to your advice, uh, I think that's that's a whole different thing, right? And if you are successful and you are able to, you know, Get them a good exit. Uh, have them have them, you know, either sell their company or or go public. Uh, their success there. Um, I think it's a lot more gratifying when you actually have that personal tie with the company, as opposed to if you were, you know, if you were just as if you were investing in the stock market, right? You're not involved. It's just money in, money out. Um, to me, that's not interesting. 
right? So even though we're in the field of finance, I don't classify myself as somebody in finance because it just doesn't feel like such a transactional type of environment. Um, I feel, you know, it's, it's a lot more personal. Mm. And kind of expanding on, on the subject of your broad interests, um, and mm-hmm. given the fact that we already kind of seen the four ner- nerd ad giving us um, details about <laughs> ACDC, I think our listeners mm-hmm. will be interested in kind of learning about different industries that you kind of ventured into. And I've had the pleasure mm-hmm. of listening to you talk about how you brought Amy, the Amy Whitehouse documentary to Taiwan. Was this mm-hmm. part of Mesh? Was this before Mesh? And can you talk to us a little about how that was for you? Any takeaways um, for you from that project? Yeah, so this has nothing to do with Mesh. This is just a, a personal project. Um, and so I think how all that started was uh, when I was in Taiwan, I just started to meet some people, not out of any intent, just completely randomly, uh, met some people uh, in the, the film industry, uh, and particularly in film distribution. And you know, it was just a casual conversation to learn, you know, what what the industry is like. And it just it just got me really interested. And um, you know, I I'm I'm a fan of design. I'm a I'm a I'm a fan, I'm a fan of culture and and, and art. And so when um, when I started to learn about this, there, there was also still a nerdy part of me that realized, hey, uh, when people go to watch a movie, let's say it's an indie film. Most of the time, um, you know, people choose uh, the film because of the film itself. Um, but you know, there's an opportunity as a film distributor for the film distributor itself to have a brand. Um, and you know, if people can trust your taste um, as, as, as a film distributor, they may go watch a film because they trust you as, as, as a film distributor, as opposed to only uh, trying to look for reviews on, on a particular film. And so there's a fun part of bringing in brand building, and um, there's an element of graphic design around that, communication design, there's an element of bringing in social media. Uh, and so what, what I ended up doing is, you know, one of the guys who had, had shared this knowledge of the industry with me, I said, hey, why don't you leave your company you're at now and, and let's set up uh, a film distribution company and let's build a brand around it. And you know, this is in kind of this, I wouldn't say the earlier days, but it's, it's in that period where social media was driving a lot of growth for a lot of small businesses. Um, and, and it was really uh, quite easy to build you know, a Facebook group, uh, a, a Facebook um, uh, presence and, and attract a lot of people who are like-minded. So we did that and we did, a, I think, a lot of pretty fun social marketing around that and then uh, grew a, 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 pre- a pretty decent following around this one brand. And so um, I think it really was a nice uh, combination of uh, people who had an incredible taste in film uh, as well as um, you know bringing a, a technology element of it, of, of, of building a brand that was social media driven that enticed people to be interested in a particular film uh, because of, of that brand. So that was a lot of fun. Um, ultimately, though, we decided to shut it down. And the reason for that is a couple fold. One is um, you know, the, the company itself um, 
was 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 profitable, but the, the the margins in that business is very thin. I think one of the sort of lessons learned for for myself when I was young, I started a lot of businesses. Right, so today we talked about like the the, the main track. Right, this is this is the the main thing that I always held consistent. But because, as I mentioned, I have so many interests. When I was young, I started all these different businesses on, on, on the side as well. And eventually there came a point where my own resources mentally and physically was being stretched so thin across all these that I had them all back. Right. And so, um, that was a, you know, I don't know if I think I would do anything differently today because all of that was, was, um, you know, a great learning experience for me. Um, but, um, but it was very taxing, uh, to, to, to do all these things. So eventually I had to make a decision to say, okay, well, uh, this particular film distribution company, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a great learning experience, but I really need to focus on the couple things in my life that uh, I, I want to be able to basically build for um, the rest of my career. Right? Amazing. I think despite the fact that it was shut down, I, I'm sure like like me for a fact, I think Lexi would have both wanted to be in that team at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was it was fun. We were able to do some some pretty fun uh, marketing campaigns, uh, and part part of that also still brings um, a little bit of nerdiness to from the technology front. Um, but yeah, so good. All right, well, to wrap us up, can we talk about circle back to mesh and talk about kind of mm -hmm. the future, where it's going? What are you excited about in terms of upcoming projects? If you can reveal anything, what is going on with your team? You mentioned kind of expansion. What does the future? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, a couple a couple things I think are we'll we'll continue to raise um, uh, our our next funds right, and so um, every time you raise a fund, you need to craft um, a thesis around what what you want to do with that fund, and and so you know, I think that's something that is something that we're about to to launch, and um, it'll be pretty consistent with what we've been doing in the past, but adding a couple new new to it. I think for us, uh, because of our, our, our presence and network in the electronics industry, um, the core part of the fund will, will never deviate too far from that. Um, but there are a lot of things that tie into this particular topic that um, are, are not quite as, uh, um, I guess, well-known. Right? So, for, for example, when we did uh, automotive, people would, would ask, well, why are you uh, a fund based in Taiwan investing in automotive? Right? And, th and then you start to tell them, hey, you may not know this, but Taiwan actually plays a really critical part in the automotive supply chain, whether it's buying um, microprocessors um, or even cabling um, you know, components for, for uh, cameras and, and headlights and all these things. Um, and so you know, as the car becomes more and more uh, electronic, um, that industry, uh, that supply chain becomes more and more important. Um, I think same applies to a lot of other interesting topics. Um, I think climate technology is, is a really important one. And so that's one uh, that, you know, we're, we're actively exploring. Um, and so this comes on also in a lot of different formats, right? So we think climate technology, um, it's it's not you know just about uh, green energy right, but it's also about material production right. So um, you know 
carbon emissions, a big chunk of that just comes from making things. And so if you can make things last longer with better materials um, and figure out better ways to um, to reuse materials, uh, that's that's super important. Um, and so it's topics like that that I think will will make its way in, into our fund and either be newer things. That sounds fascinating and we can't wait to watch. Thank you for that. an exclusive for us as well about your new company and I loved the Matrix reference. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Ed, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. And also right. a big thank you to our producer, Judging Lee, um, who has been quiet, but she's also here. <laughs> Making everything work behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, Perfect. Well, thank yep. you for this opportunity. It was a lot of fun. <laughs>